0: Alright ladies and gentlemen, uh, another episode, Tennis of Melbourne, very lucky to have Nick. Now Nick, you want to say hello to our family and friends?
1: Hi everyone, my name is Nick Killich. I'm a tennis physio.
0: Okay, so um, tell us uh, how did you start out with tennis, um, tennis in general?
1: Um, Hitting balls on the street from five years of age in Sydney. Um, I lived lived in a cul-de-sac and my mother played pretty well and uh, with a wooden racket in hand, we'd go out onto the street and just hit ground strokes to each other. So that's how I started my tennis journey. And um, that went into uh, coaching in a junior squad Mm -hmm. until high school and then playing comp through high school.
0: So when you started, there's no tennis court, just hitting ball across... Ra-
1: yeah, I mean, we just walk out in the street and hit balls and try and have long rallies. Um, and probably did that for a few years before I started actually getting coaching at the local at the local courts.
0: Wow, interesting. So when the car comes, just like, all right, cool, just hold on the rally a little bit, and when the car goes, you just keep going. That's
1: it. Yeah, I mean, the cars came every fifteen or twenty minutes back then, so it wasn't too bad.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. And um, where does tennis? Took you in terms of uh, as a player and a competitive um, side of you. Did you end up playing in junior uh, high-level nationals or college?
1: They're probably Division One of the local comp in Sydney, the local district comp. So mm-hmm. for my representing my high school in a local comp, playing Division One. Um, I tried some state-level comps at the Strathfield Tennis Centre up in Sydney, and would get knocked out round one. Uh, um, didn't get any coaching throughout high school because I was too busy playing other sports as well, like cricket and soccer. So, um, sort of dropped the, dropped the coaching, dropped the drive to better myself as a tennis player mm-hmm. until, uh, until I was mature age and I picked it up again from sort of mid twenties. So, um, right. I think I'm a much better player now in my mid thirties than I ever was, um, as a teenager.
0: So the reason why you wanted to focus on tennis is simply because would you say there's an unfinished business or just a passion for
1: the <laughs> um, Okay, so as a physio, I'm surrounded by sports physios who do football predominantly because that's a major sport. So they're very good at rehabbing players and understanding the demands of the football codes. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular sport. I think unless you play tennis and have played tennis for quite a while and understand the game. Um, you should steer clear of providing specific advice to tennis players because it's such a complex game and once more change can cascade out of control. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a tennis player to treat a tennis player uh, when it comes to rehab, rehabbing and diagnosing uh, tennis players and working with coaches at the same time because uh, it is such a complex and highly technical sport, you just don't want to be changing too much unless you know what you're doing. And um, and uh, basically I saw an open opening in the market uh, to see tennis players and to specialize in that because um, no one in my area in Canberra was doing it at the time. Um, and basically, I enjoy treating tennis players every day and talking about the game to people. So <laughs> it's a big mix of something I love and something I know about and uh, something that I find highly challenging, all wrapped up into one.
0: Mm. You know, you know. over the years, I... so. I guess half of the listeners, uh, will know, because I, I myself have been around tennis long enough and a lot of injuries as well, is that, uh, there's a thing about, um, the, what, the what's the word, um, specificity. It's just like that. You're you, you gonna have, as you said, you, you need tennis people to treat tennis players because one is the language, okay? Is yeah. that how you get off the court? How did you feel? Or, or other, other language. You, you, there, there's some sort of a unique language. It's English, but there's a unique way of approaching it. It's true.
1: And it's universal, isn't it? It goes across... I mean, it's what is tennis the third most popular sport in the world behind football and basketball?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, millions play it. And with me as a sports physio who's treating tennis players, you've got to be able to keep them on court for as long as possible without pulling them off. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand how different court surfaces impact the player and can they train on one surface and then on not another. You've got to understand head heavy versus head like rackets. Mm-hmm. I mean a racket's a racket's a puzzle all by itself, uh, without going into um, court surfaces and rackets as well. Um you've got to understand even even balls. You've got to understand the types of balls, the brands of balls, which mm-hmm. balls is better to play with. Mm-hmm. Um you gotta understand types of players. You've got to understand the coaches locally and and know what what sort of concepts they buy into and how they train their players as well so there's so many variables you can change but you've got to understand the variables and you've got to also got to understand the impact of changing those variables on the player and when is appropriate to bring those things back in as well so it's a very cool sport because there's no other sport that plays on has one player that plays on many different services and has many types of equipment, equipment to choose from when it comes to rackets. There's nothing like it. And it's, it's just an amazing challenge. And um, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. No, that's true. That's <laughs> and you, true. Sort of go down this, you sort of go down this spiral of learning more but knowing less.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's it just devils in the details, you know, The even the grips. You now, let's say we can even just bring out the most common one, you know, we've got tennis elbow, you know, factor yeah. the string, the, the weight of the racket you know, um, yes. drinks, um and how you hold it, where do you hit the ball, you know, um, how long the, how long been training before this, you know. All that factors can contribute, in a way, makes players and even coaches realize they probably need to change the in intensity or program or even just... Uh, but again, we can't... Like, I never really you know, during the tournament and I'll say, look, you need to change your grip for your next match. You know, it's just or change your technique or forehand. You can do, we can just say, you know, this is the best way to manage and things like that. Now that's right, yeah. For 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 you, um what kind of players comes to see you more? Is it in like before during before a tournament or after a tournament or or all sorts all of things? Right. Kind of
1: so, I have a few roles, I wear a few hats. Um mm-hmm. so I'm contracted to Tennis Australia as a as a physiotherapist, mm-hmm. but all thoughts and opinions expressed in this in this episode are mine only. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I look after. I've I've worked on challenges with the top hundred players. Mm-hmm. I've worked on. I do a lot of juniors and wheelchair, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then juniors are a completely different thing, where you're not only working with the player, but you've got to communicate with the parent and the coach at the same time. Yeah. Um. And then in the clinic where I work in Canberra, I see a lot of recreational and club players and I'd say my working day is probably 90% recreational club and junior players, mm-hmm. and then when I'm working for Tennis Australia on these tournaments, obviously I'm, I'm there live seeing these elite players. Now, I don't see elite players in the clinic too much. We've only got one or two in Canberra, um, but I do, uh, since coronavirus hit and a lot of players have come back to Australia I've had quite a few, uh, sort of telehealth consults over the computer with them, mm-hmm. um, sort of hashing out old injuries because they've, you're right. You work like I do at tournaments and it's not the time and the place to make big changes to someone's year or grips and stuff. But mm-hmm. well, what you do, uh, what I do is make myself available so they can contact me down the track and have that chat and start to plan things out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, my, I, I, I see a lot more club and recreational players. That's the, the brunt of what I see. Mm-hmm. um and juniors as well in canberra um, but i'd I get a smattering of elite guys coming in it just so happens um the worse you are and the better you are at tennis the more you can afford to see a health professional <laughs> <laughs> and if you're anywhere in the middle you can't
0: <laughs> that's true guys that's so, true
1: <laughs> you know, so I see guys at both ends. I don't see guys in the middle. So if you're ranked outside outside the top 50, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to see you unless mm-hmm. you're rubbish and you're playing recreational tennis or you're a junior. Yeah. So, <laughs> you because you... people, people who aren't good enough have a job and they can afford to see a health professional and you've got to be bloody good and be in the top 50 uh, to, to have a full-time physio that you can call up and chat to. So mm-hmm. tennis is a tricky sport like that. Um, it's all about... Finances, which is what's interesting about the U.S. Open coming up, and mm-hmm. and um, tennis being delayed as a whole yeah. until sort of next year. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting, quite a unique sport because it's not a it's not a club sport. You don't have a team. You only have one player. Mm-hmm. Um, where and the and the physio isn't supplied to you like in any other sport. Any other sport, you've got a physio at like the club community level. Mm-hmm. You know the club district level. You have a physio there usually who you can contact and, and chat to. But tennis players. You've either got to be really good or really crap to get to access one. Unfortunately.
0: Now, for for your for your uh, ex- from your experience, um, can you provide two tips for junior players between age thirteen to seventeen from your physio point of view?
1: Sure. Listen to your coaches. <laughs> so uh, one one is probably a technique problem, and the other one's probably a load management problem. Um, and this, the, the low management one's probably the most, the one that leads to most people coming in the clinic. So listen to your coaches. There's, there's technique for a reason. And the coaches are tell, teaching this technique for a reason because it's efficient use of your body to generate repetitive power and it allows you to recover. Okay. So um, especially on serve, I guess I see the number one injury I see in junior players is on serve. Really do get your serve right and have some variety. Don't just have the kick over and over again. Um, because the kick serve is highly demanding on the shoulder and lower back, and that is where the majority of injuries come from in junior players, in the shoulder and lower back. So mm-hmm. talk to your coach, find out when's the right time to pull out a flat serve, when's the right time to pull out a kick serve, have a go with a slice serve. There's, there's nothing wrong with taking the pace off the ball and sliding it out. I think juniors don't play with um, spin enough um, they, they tend to be lots of topspin. You probably see it at Tennis Victoria tournaments as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of rallies and topspin, but change the pace, change the spin, because, um, that really does trouble your opponent and there's free points in it. So this is where, this is where injury prevention and performance and winning points all comes together nicely. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> it's less sort of a stray on your body and yeah. you win points at the same time if you change things up and have some variety in your game. Mm-hmm. but you need to train it and understand the technique to be able to employ those skills. Um, uh, I see a lot of juniors not competing enough, so there's a lot of training in juniors. They compete a lot, drilling, coach sessions, a lot of hitting out of the hand, you know, baskets of balls. I don't see guys playing practice matches enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got this because there's a crossover between the JDS and the AMTs, and mm-hmm. it's very tricky to go from one to the other. Yeah, Just like at the elite level, it's a different thing going from juniors to, to the open. Um, so it's good to compete and know when you need to step up and step down and you need a good coach near you to help understand when the right time is to do that so these are big concepts um, that are really important not just for injury prevention um, it's also for performance and you having you you enjoying the game and actually loving the game and staying with it Um, the other thing is as a junior this is more for parents and coaches you've got to identify when the kid is going through a peak growth phase. Um, so girls usually start growing really fast and having a velocity of their bone growth. Yeah. Around uh, initially 10 to 11, but then later on 12, 13, 14. You've got to be really careful with sudden shifts in load whilst they're in this peak growth phase because uh, what we see is a lot of injuries such as um, sevens, which is a heel bone problem, and Osgood Schlatter's, which is a, a tibia bone or the knee problem. Um, from having tight tissues on growing bones, because the bones just grow faster than the soft tissues can handle. Mm-hmm. And it only comes, it only comes on when they do too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, or school holidays. I'm, I'm my busiest of genius, like a week or two after school holidays.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause
1: there's a, there's a lot of coaching clinics, holiday camps and stuff where these kids who are going through peak growth do a lot of running around and jumping, mm-hmm. which I normally encourage. But, um, we have a rule, don't exceed. Your hours in a week of your age. Um, so don't exceed your age in hours per week. So if you're 12, don't do more than 12 hours a week of one activity because that's when you tend to get injuries. Um, and, um, same thing, but once you get to 14, 15, it tends to, it's, you tend to not get those so-called growing pains as much. Um, uh, but it's good to identify when a kid is in those, in those, um, peak growth phases, then you want to switch training around a bit. And have less repetitive drilling and probably more practice matches where the volume of hitting balls is low, but the learning opportunities are still great, and that sort of thing. Or even send them out, God forbid, to other sports. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We know some sports just complement tennis really well, Mm -hmm. um, such as soccer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Soccer has always been a go-to because you know Federer and Nadal were good soccer players before they became tennis players. You know, so it's good to give these kids variety, and um, variety has popped up. In both of those concepts, um, variety is the spice of life. It, it, the, the body hates doing the same thing repetitively, especially something highly demanding like serving and that sort of thing. Now, on serving, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. No more than 15 minutes at a time serving practice um, and try not to do back-to-back days because serving is a highly demanding um, task for uh, kids and shoulders and lower backs because they tend to be hypermobile in the shoulders and uh, you need some stability in the shoulder to be able to perform that task um repetitively back to back. So that's my you know, it's very complex. It mm-hmm. goes on forever. I keep talking about it. But they're probably the two big areas. Um watch out for growth phases and load management. Mm-hmm. And um and, and have some variety in the game. Listen to your coaches. Uh, learn, learn all the tools. Mm. Change the pace of the ball.
0: Change the spin. Wow, you have no boring bits at all, my friend, Nicky. This is, guys, if you're listening, go follow. I will show you the link, right? This is the reason why it, it somehow thanks to Instagram, the log just bumped into like in, in my search. I was like, hey, I like what I see, and I I deal with this, you know, up to 20, 30 times a day in junior tournaments, the gold, the gold junior. I was like. Hey, I need to share this. This is very valuable. So go and check them out. Uh, go check out Nick. Um, and if you're in, if you're a listener in, in Canberra, you know, you know where to see and I'll, I'll share the link. And, um, yeah. So Nick, there is a question that's, uh, is probably out of our, actually, no, it's, it's within your bounds, actually. Um, this question happens to every single convo. In your opinion, what is, a, uh, what is one difference between a good coach and a great coach?
1: Um, I probably quote other people in this and what mm-hmm. they say about Darren and Cable, mm-hmm. Um Talk less, listen more. <laughs> okay. Talk less, listen more. It's really hard to do. Um, you want to jump in. But especially kids, if you set up the environment, there's a lot of room for guided discovery, uh, guided learning, where the player works it out for themselves. And I think the best coaches go, stop the training, and they, they look at the player and say, what did you do then? Tell me in your words what you did then. You always need to make the player elaborate in their own words, in their own voice, what they did. Because when they're around on court and they don't have your support, and who knows, coaches might be able to um, have communications with players in the future, the way the game's going. But at the moment, you're on your own. So you've got to work it out yourself, and it will be your words in your voice as a player that you will remember and you will know how to turn those words into actions on the court with your body. So with coaches, set up the environment for learning, make the task achievable but challenging, but shut up. <laughs> and I think the good coaches out there will be nodding. They'll be going, yep. Because <laughs> oh, right. uh, I, I look up to sort of the Darren Cahills of the world who go out there, and they, don't, they just go straight up to the player and go, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Because you need the player to to understand themselves in their own words what's happening, because it's their body out there and they they need to almost step outside their own mind and their own body on court and take all the emotions away and say what is happening and what do I need to do. So that's what I think makes a difference between a great coach and a good coach. Wow.
0: All right. I'm 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 going to take a pause here and and I straight away this is what my my feeling about about like listeners. I I haven't met Nick. We just. I reached out to him last night. He says, yes, thank you. And then we're just having this great convo. Now, Nick, I never thought i will ask you this, but I'll ask you right now. <clears throat> you sound so captivating. So my little question, I never ask anyone this, is that <clears throat> if you have an equal financial benefit, equal financial benefit, would you be a professional coach?
1: The, the thing is, mate, Coaches get paid more. Okay. So oh, I'm, really, I am actually oh, qualified okay. in tennis. I'm a qualified coach. Okay. I've done um, JDC with Tennis Australia and community mm-hmm. coaching, mm-hmm. and I I I do coaching. However, I know enough to understand you got to stay in your scope. Right. And right. Yes, I did a year and a bit of training as a coach, but I did five years training to be a physio. Mm-hmm. And I've got to tell you, my wife would kill me if I just became a tennis coach. <laughs> 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 so. here's here's the deal, though. As a physio, I train human movement for performance. Right. I train people to have efficient human movement. Mm -hmm. So it crosses over very well. And however, I'm not a coach. Um, Just because I'm a qualified coach, I'm not a coach. Yes, I can have good coaching sessions with people, Mm -hmm. but these coaches are out there every single day on court. Mm -hmm. And you can almost put a racket in their hand and they can tell you what make and model it is. They can almost tell you string tension based on how the ball feels. These are all things that I will never have. Mm-hmm. So I'm more than happy to switch over to coaching for a few months because I'm qualified to do so and I've had private um, guys in the past. However, may I hit balls, I compete, I play legs as well. I just don't have enough time in the leg to be a physio, to be a player. And to be a coach. Alright, well, I've got a three year old at home as well and a wife. So the only problem is, um, if I had no wife and no kid, (laughs) Gary, I'd be one third coaching, one third competing, one third physioing for sure. Because I think they complement each other very well. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I've got to know which one, which hat I wear the majority of the time because you've got to stay within your scope. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got to know enough about the other, and I think I've become a better physio having done the coaching qualifications,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not the other way around. Um, so I've learned enough to know that there's great coaches out there, and I'm going to send people to them, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hand them over to them earlier than other physios because I trust them, and mm-hmm. I know they understand the game. So that's where it's really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I must come across as uh, knowing a bit more than I do. It's because I do I do a lot of each. I I compete a lot. I just had a training session for an hour before working on my game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 neck deep in tennis all, all week long, <laughs> and I can see it from many different uh, many different perspectives. Um, and having worked with the elite and the club player and the junior players, it sort of covers all areas really nicely because they are very different. Right. Um, so yeah. I, I, yeah, if I had a different life, I'd be a coach for sure.
0: Okay. So, all right. Well, well, I was spinning the table a little bit. If you are Roger Federer's coach right now, from physio point of view, all right, and uh, he he's going through, I think it's knee surgery or something like that. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, I don't know in details to be honest. But what kind of approach? Because he's playing the long game. Because he's playing the marathon. He's he's out for six months. Yes. What is your what kind of conversations are you going to have with Roger and what are the things sure. you'll be doing in the next 6 months for him to prepare let's say AO 2021 is back is going to be back.
1: Yeah, sure. Now, it's the the urge is to say Roger will tell you what he needs to do. Okay? But there's a little 1% little fellow in me sitting on my shoulder saying even at the top level sometimes the basics aren't done. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And that goes for every trade. And I'm sure you've seen it sort of close. You get to the top. Sometimes the most important things are missing in, in, in favor of the noise. <laughs> um, so I, number one, trust he has a good team around him because he's done this before. Yep. And he came back and won the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done this before. However, you've got to acknowledge that he is a time bomb for injuries. Mm-hmm. And he's he's admitted this himself. He's used the word canister. I only have so much in my canister and my canister is getting smaller with every year. So he's fighting a time against the clock because this sort of knee injury and in meniscus is very common sort of in the 35-plus guys. You sort of change your injury profiles once you get to 35. You're stuck in different injuries. Yeah. And it's not that he can't keep playing. It's just can Roger keep playing at the level, level he wants to play at?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, number one, I'd make sure the basics are done well. Has he got good baseline strength? Has he got... All the clinical stuff I'd be looking for, which the listeners may not understand, but has he got medial joint line pain? Has he got full range of motion? What's his core strength index like? Can he pass functional tests well, like hopping for distance and do some tennis specific ones? And how does he feel? How's his confidence? Cause that's everything with Roger. How's his confidence? Is he enjoying it? Is he having fun? Cause we know that with Roger, the more fun he has, the more relaxed he is, mm-hmm. um, the better, the better he is on court. Um, so all it's very complex. I just sit down and say, start talking, Rog. How do you feel? <laughs> How do you feel, mate? And um, is there anything different? to last time this happened because yeah, right, the no, no one knows what he's going for at the moment because they're very secretive of injuries. Players won't broadcast what's going on in case it's taken advantage of. That's right. And um, Plus, it's medical and confidence at the bottom level anyway. Correct. Um, everyone has a right to have their medical histories not go out in the public eye. But you just got to sit down and listen. Again, like a good coach, let them talk. Let them tell you how they're feeling. What are their goals? What they want to achieve? What what do they want to do in the calendar? Is that realistic? Is it called SMART goals? Is it specific? Is it realistic? Mm -hmm. Can it be achieved in the right time? You've got to have this big two-hour chat, Mm -hmm. and then you've got to work backwards from there. You've got to say, okay, you want to be competitive and win. I mean, if if a guy like Roger is going to go into an Open, he's going in there to win, yeah? He's going in there to come top four. Mm -hmm. So you've got to work backwards from there. You've got to go, what are the demands of the game? Okay, this is the fitness level we need. This is the strength we need. This is the need we need. And you just go slowly, rewind the rehab right back to the start, and make sure those basics aren't missed from the start. Because I tell you, if they are, it's very hard to rewind down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens a lot. It happens a lot in the game. It happens a lot more than you think. A lot of players disappear, especially those who aren't what we talked about, who sort of aren't in the top 50 and don't have that good medical support. Yep. A lot of good players come and go due to injury and just not doing the basic things well. Mm. Um, so it's very complex. You really do have to sit down and, and and nut out the entire history of the player and get to know them and know how they think
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and earn their trust. That's There's right. no point in telling them what to do if they don't trust you as well.
0: Right. Wow, guys, did you hear that? Jeez. So, um, do you have any uh, something that you're currently working on? Because I myself is still learning. A lot of anatomy and kinetic chain and things and that. And sometimes it pop up. Oh, okay, you can do certain things a certain way. Um, are there any current things that you think? Oh, this kind of treatment is is a new way. Let Let's say for example, I I always like to encourage uh, players to obviously stretch more, but they don't like to hear the word stretch. So I say sure. oh, try try to do yoga or Pilates or you know I will send you the link if you have to. Are there any things that you think that you you, you approach differently uh, when yeah. you started versus now?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, so when I first started, I was big on stretches as well because that was what you did, basically, um, and it's been in sports medicine for a long time. But we're starting to realise that stretches aren't the, the fix and in the injury prevention tool. that will be one sport, and in some cases might actually cause more injuries than not. Um, and uh, it's, it's tricky, and what I see is it's, I've got no problem with people doing stretches. So as long as they achieve the other tasks that definitely do help them out, and one of those things is, and you'll you'll know this term, active recovery yep. is very important. Yep. I don't see active recovery being done enough. Mm-hmm. I also don't see active recovery being done specifically for the player for their specific issue. Let's take a knee, for example. If someone's got a knee issue, a really good active recovery task within 24 hours after a big match is uh, cycling, low-intensity cycling on a bike mm-hmm. um, for 20 to 30 minutes or doing a bunch of pool work. You know, marching, pool running, that sort of thing. So it's a good way for the joint to sort of um, flush out all the byproducts of working really hard, get rid of the junk, basically. Because uh, if you keep backing it up every day without providing the opportunity for the joint to get happy, um, it'll just end up getting upset over a week and you'll need to miss the next tournament. So not only does active recovery need to happen, but it needs to also be tailored to the player if they have specific issues. Um and, uh, you, we're starting to see more dynamic recoveries where players are doing almost like a little mini workout as active recovery. And I've certainly made one called, uh, the Tennis Injury Prevention Program, mm-hmm. which is on my website, yep. uh, which is basically all the most common, uh, injury exercises we, we give out for the most common injuries. So ankles, there's ankle mobility, shoulder, there's activation, um, glutes, there's activation and strength and mobility, Uh, back and upper back and lower back, there's there's mobility. So these are all things that help you not only recover from what you did, but also get ready for what's coming up Uh, because we have some evidence that a lot of injuries that are acute, muscle strains and things, happen earlier on in in sports rather than later, and then the joint stuff tends to happen later on. So um, it's very complex. And then stretching, if the play, if it feels good, I lump it in the feel good. If it feels good, do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't write it off completely. A lot of people go, oh, it just makes them feel good and does nothing. <laughs> if a player feels good, they're good mentally. If they're good mentally, they're slightly better physically. And mm-hmm. that makes all the difference. They're less tight on court because they, they have confidence. Uh, but I don't let it become a priority thing in favour of something else like active recovery where um, there's a lot of mobility and strength work on, on the side.
0: Nick, I, I, you've just done an amazing job. You know what I'm going to do? Like my next tournament, the big tournament where there's like 300 400 kids... I'm just gonna replay this combo and over and over again.
1: <laughs> it's a conversation I have had over and over again because like you at tournaments you're you're answering these questions from the players know, and the parents and the
0: coaches. But, but I I will Sorry. I will say one thing. If any parents keep asking me questions about what to do and stuff like that, I gotta say I feel like I'm a daddy of, of the whole tennis community. I've been saying the same thing. I'm sometimes having a different voice. You know what? I'll just shoot you Nick's uh, combo, let me listen to him, if you got any questions, follow him on Instagram or whatever, you know, and, and you, you may have a lot of, um, tele, what, do, what do you call it, telehealth clients here from... Melbourne, yeah, I well. do, yeah,
1: <laughs> I guess what, what, you, what you're hearing here is concepts, not specifics, mm-hmm. there's, a big, there's a big thing on Instagram and social media at the moment about this is the best exercise for shoulders, oh. and there's a, someone with a rubber band, mm-hmm. but that's not how it works, it's mm-hmm. concepts, You've got to get the concept right and not not go down on the specifics and think that's it for you Mm -hmm. because every single human body is different. Everyone's tennis game is different. Even everyone's serve Mm -hmm. action is different. Mm -hmm. So you need to get the concept right and you need to apply it specifically to the player in front of you, and that's the tricky thing. Um, So social media and people finding information is a bit of a minefield at the moment, Mm -hmm. but until they come across someone like yourself or me at a tournament and they want to know the information, that's when they're going to get it. That's it's very. It is unless you know where to look. It's very difficult to find um, this sort of information because, on the internet as a whole.
0: Because because the internet doesn't ask you questions. They just give you something. But whereas you, yourself and my, me and we, we actually ask questions. You know, how long was your match? You know, how 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 well old did you? We just ask all these questions first. Yes, that's right. And, and yeah. sometimes we don't even ask questions. I just come in, right? Let's let's say I'm at the you know next to the, to the table, and I saw a player come in. The body language is down, holding us like, you know, maybe I don't want to talk now because he,
1: exactly, he yeah. just wants
0: a little space. So you're going to play a lot of psychology as well. You're like, all right, so I can ask all the right questions, but the timing is not right. So I just got to look away un- until he or she comes over and he can, hey, Tom, I probably need this attention here. And there. then I will go, all right, cool. Uh, let's start slowly. You know, like, have you drink water and little things like that, you know, um and just... Little things, so so we gotta have that nurturing and caring on top of everything we do because sometimes players will come in and just want to have a bit of a spill of their how they won or how they lose or what other player did this and that. But ultimately, I think being a good company and then having that extra hand to to assist. Yeah, we them. call that
1: in the trade in healthcare. We call that a therapeutic alliance. What? Oh, okay. have got them. Um, You've got to make them like you. Trust them. Uh, You can't just be a textbook. You've actually got to care, show that you care, Mm -hmm. and um, that's called a therapeutic alliance. People, You get better outcomes with people Mm -hmm. if they like you and they believe what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Very rarely will someone go somewhere, see someone who's switched on Mm -hmm. but is not a nice person. Uh, They'll go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Now, the opposite is also true. You've got to be careful of people who are nice, but they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. <laughs> I and mean, I call them dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's um it's called a therapeutic alliance and uh there's an entire podcasts on that concept in my trade mm. on therapeutic alliance. How how important it is mm-hmm. to even if you disagree with the per- what the person's saying in front of you, you gotta give you gotta almost negotiate. And actually it's it's mostly people manipulating people. It's how to manipulate them psychology to to bring them over to your to your thoughts and ideas, especially if they believe in things that um, that you don't agree with or that are incorrect, um, it's very tricky to change someone's beliefs. That's the hardest thing to do, mm-hmm. and unless you have a therapeutic alliance, that's not going to happen. And it's even harder when it's a parent of the player, because oh, uh, <laughs> it's their child, um, it's their child sitting in front of you, and it's very difficult to change their belief without belittling them in front of their kid. So, and sometimes you need to take them aside and do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Therapeutic like Elygics is a big deal in big my trade. Deal. And basically, it's summed up as be nice.
0: And and I, I totally agree because there were times where I don't feel, I don't know how to communicate. And then I actually start, because I read a lot, and I went into, I bump into this, uh, I forgot this guy, he's an ex-FBI, and he works on negotiation. And I was like, that is what, I, what it's all about sometimes. Exactly. He's going to find the bargaining chips, and then yep. there are times where I don't even have to put my hands on or, or treat. It just let them aware that oh okay, maybe they should do this right. Maybe they, they, they learn how to say no to you know to, to the parents <laughs> and say, I've been training too much or things like that. And then let let them deal with their own issue rather than you jump in and be the you know, the, the, the magic that's hand weird. or whatever. So what
1: what that's really important is if you if the player thinks they've made a the decision about what's happening, they're more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. True. So if you set them up, if you set them up with all the data and almost trick them into making the decision, mm-hmm. even if you're negotiating and you say, well, I don't think you should play, and they go, well, can I play a little? And you go, okay, you can play a little. <laughs> <laughs> when all along it was okay for them to play a little and you just, you just know this is going to be someone who's highly driven, mm-hmm. either because you've dealt with them in the past, mm-hmm. um, or you can just pick them, you just go, listen, the best thing you can do is not play at all the absolute best thing you can do. They go, well, can I do a little? I go, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And that will make them believe they came up with it, and mm-hmm. they'll go away, and they'll do that. You know,
0: I've got to share a quote that I've, I have lived by, and a lot of parents been using it, a lot of coaches have been using it, and I'm happy to share, probably for the first time in my Congo since this is a great context. So, mm-hmm. here, here it is. <clears throat> it's not what level of tennis you play at 15. It's how you play your tennis at twenty-five. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's really good. Thank you. <laughs> yes, approved and, and you could and you could talk about that for an hour. I it's can go five That's hours. Really <laughs> yeah.
0: So and, and and this came from I, I would say a lot of my inspiration came from frustration during yes. the tournament. And, and and that comes from like, um I gotta be very cautious with this. But a lot of parents and a lot of coaches come up to me, oh you know, my uh, my player, you know, is ready for national uh, uh, December showdown. Blah blah blah. You know, yes. top top five in the in the ranking. Blah blah blah. And I was like, you know, all right, so fourteen, fifteen. All right, cool. Part of, yes. me, part of me, tells me that you know, tennis is a marathon. It's it's a marathon. You can't sprint the first hundred meters and expect to finish. You gotta learn yes. to pace yourself. And part of it, I feel like, is if you put an equal sign. Recovery equals performance, then my friend, you will go a long way because yeah. if, 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 if if you if you only think about performance on call on call in the gym in the gym and and just go out there and show everyone your 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 ranking or your who you're sponsored by blah 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 to be honest, I have seen so uh, I could be cautious of this, but I have seen player right up in the country in the national ranking and in a few years' time it just vanished in the face of tennis yeah so. So this is why I I I'm hoping that there is more tennis, not because it's ranking, but you looking after yourself, and yeah. we all have a lot more AMTs and local tournaments. You know when they're 25, even just playing doubles. Like earlier this year, earlier this year I was at um, uh, I think I can say this. I was at, I was at Kuyong uh, in here in Melbourne. Yes. We there is an ITF Senior Circuit, and um, all, just just about all the players They have been playing more than what, 30, 40 The highest one was 60 years And he's about yeah. seventies plus years And I said what's the secret Apart from passion He goes well You're just going to do The little right things You know He has water He does little mini stretches That he's able to do And he's been playing No joke for More than 25 years On the ITF circuit And he, she said oh, yeah. He won the 50s He won the 60s He won the 70s You know and he just do every little thing right. You don't have to be the best player on the court, but you gotta be the last man, last player standing. That's that's the whole secret. And I yeah. find in juniors, it's it's what the they want to get to the line, but they didn't know it's a marathon. It's not a 100 meter sprint. So it's kind that's of right. it's kind of make like me thinking that you know what you said today totally 120 percent resonate with what I say. And and I would I will do you a little favor by literally just posting this as often as I will literally post your convo on a daily basis in tournament days so parents and coaches can get a good understanding of exactly what I'm about to say every day. <laughs> yeah. it's just
1: get, get the important things right, get the yeah. concepts down. Yeah, yeah,
0: the fundamentals, the fundamentals, get the fundamentals yeah. right then we, we we will have some decent players moving on um, to, to professional ranking and, and I, I think Australia I'm not sure you agree, you agree with me but Australia, compared to many other countries, we have a lot of resources. Our courts are everywhere. I don't know how many courts in Canberra, but in Melbourne, oh gosh, we have thousands.
1: Yeah, I think we become uh, victims of our location eventually. Mm -hmm. It's just that players have to travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see a lot of players who are just outside that top 50 that you're talking about, that magical number, Mm -hmm. where they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of our best players are tens of thousands of dollars in debt. But mm-hmm. they have to live in Spain to be able to afford to travel. Wow. Um, so we are, we are a bit of a victim of our, uh, of our, of our country where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see what happens when tennis comes back from COVID.
0: Yeah. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait because, um, I heard that, that there is a lot of resetting and reformating tennis. You know, we're doing some state league or whatnot in, in a few months time. But again, this morning, just this morning, Grigor Dimitrov got a test positive. So now yeah. everything is gonna go back in square one again for what uh, I think I think uh, just in 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 that tour and also just raise the awareness in, in you know you know so and also in football as well so um, I'm not sure about Canberra but Melbourne is we were doing okay for the last few days uh, last yeah. few weeks and yeah. only the last week we just like all right guys let's go back to square one the, yeah. just on the side note how's Canberra going.
1: We're fine, we're like uh, South Australia. We're completely, we haven't had community transmission in weeks.
0: Wow.
1: So life is normal here, pretty much.
0: Oh, how's the interstate travel going? (laughs)
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's another another convo for another time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay, okay. Well, um, yes, so Tennis of Melbourne uh, is about appreciation. Uh, So Nick, um, this is your moment and this is your time. Take as long as you want. Uh, give people shout-outs, first name, second name, or it's all up to you. And uh, <laughs> where, where can people find you on, on, on Insta or other web- websites? Sure. So, Nick?
1: Look, um, if you Google me, The Tennis Physio, you'll mm-hmm. find me. I'm Yep. I'm on Insta and Facebook primarily. I am on Twitter, but I don't respond as fast as uh, Facebook and Instagram. I write a lot of blogs. There's a lot of free quality information, a lot of stuff we discussed about today is on uh, thegermistphysio.com forward slash blog. And uh, finally, back in March before COVID kicked off, um, a big project finally finished bringing together some evidence-based, latest science tennis-specific injury prevention program, which is high quality um, and uh, can be used, here's the great thing, at all levels, from elite to juniors, from recreational, um, all ages. It's very low intensity, but it has the best evidence behind it. At reducing the likelihood of you getting injured and it's also an excellent sort of active recovery tool to go to and that's available at www.thetennisphysio.com forward slash injury prevention I'm available uh, by email if anyone has any questions I always give away free uh, free uh, tips and stuff if anyone wants to email me you can email me at nick at the tennis and finally if anyone's in Canberra come say hi <laughs> um.
0: I'm gonna literally broadcast your um your as I said my combo and also your, your ideas and also the the email because uh it's uh it makes my life easier.
1: <laughs> yeah. The only other thing that I do as well is I run um Canberra Heavy Hitters, which is an advanced club entry level AMT tennis league throughout the year. So that's yep. my side project. Okay. Uh you can have a look at that at www.heavyhitters.com dot uh, com mm-hmm. um, and that is my side passion that allows me to play more competitive tennis myself. <laughs>
0: Yay! <laughs> so wow! I gotta say, um, again, I, I probably said this before, but yeah, no boring bits. Nick, you are you are one of a kind. Look, I, I will reach out to you for two point zero at some other time.
1: Anytime, whenever you like.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 this is gonna benefit so many people. And um, um, on the side note, I've been reaching out to. Um, college coaches and stuff like that. I just reached out to uh, University of Southern Florida. And, um, I think tennis combo, the whole, the, the aim or the, the motto is called City of Love. And I'll be reaching out a lot of, um, interstate and international, um, te- tennis people and tennis family. And, um, yeah, so don't, feel free to, oh, don't be surprised if there's some college player just reach out to you for, for any, any inquiries and stuff like that. And, and I'm hoping that it's a, uh, brings business for you and hopefully you get to, to, I don't know, travel or do whatever you like with tennis and, and, and see you around. But, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, I really, I don't know, I'm just kind of speechless, but, um, I, I feel like you've, you've covered a lot of things I wanted to say. You saved me a lot of my questions. And again, 2.0 is, is coming, uh, later <laughs> in the year. Happy uh, and, um, and then, uh, we, we can go from there. But, um, yes. Yeah, so, Nick, thank you so much, guys. Make sure you follow and, uh, we shall see you guys next time. So thanks again, Nick, and take care and, uh, hopefully our tennis get back in here in Victoria.